Welcome to Answers May Vary. Each week we listen to your dilemmas and try to come up with workable solutions you can put into place to start improving your teaching life today. I'm Kate Harkins. And I'm Stephanie Handley. And together with you, we're Three Heads. Today's dilemma is (laughs) (laughs) assessment-based. A favorite of English teachers everywhere. Uh (laughs) But why it becomes a dilemma in English. (laughs) Yes. So here's our dilemma. There are so many options for assessment, and English can be so subjective. Absolutely. (laughs) How can I meaningfully assess my students in a way that reflects their learning, but doesn't make me lose my mind? (laughs) That is a very good question and something that is really challenging. And I think lots of times we have a tendency to probably over assess things that are not that important because Mm -hmm. they're easy to assess. And I'm thinking in terms of like vocabulary-based things, memorization-based things that are easy for us to do, but things that are really important, we tend not to assess Mm -hmm. that much, either because it's difficult or it takes so long to evaluate, Mm -hmm. it's unsustainable, I would think. So I can see why this is Big problem. Big dilemma. (laughs) Feels like a dilemma that will probably merit more podcasts down the road one day. For sure. (laughs) So I think one thing, especially in an English class, I don't know, I feel like this applies more to English than to other subject areas, Mm -hmm. but I think it's important to provide a variety of assessments because students demonstrate understanding in different ways and we want to keep a balance. I think that we tend to think as English teachers and we hear it in our curriculum training as we become more technological as a society, I think it's a lot of what should all be project-based. It should Mm -hmm. be real-world application. It should all be written or uh, research projects or things like that. And I think Absolutely. Yes, those things should be part of your testing. But I do also think there is a place for multiple choice assessments, one, because they're way easier to manage, but also because you have students who maybe they struggle at writing, but they can still demonstrate some learning with a multiple choice test. But on the flip side, if you're doing all project-based learning, it's sometimes easy to slide through a project without demonstrating true mastery. And so I think having a variety is a good way to kind of make sure that you really are getting at what each student knows and can do. It's also helpful if you are assessing things that are more difficult and that are difficult for some students to demonstrate they understand. Do work in a few opportunities for a little easy grade boost. Everybody wants to feel successful Mm -hmm. and why not let people feel successful? What you don't want to do is weight those things equal to the more significant assessments because then we skew Mm -hmm. their grades. And if grades are an indicator of progress, misrepresenting what students can do. Yeah. And I think on this idea of balance, you also want to think about testing what you've done in class versus testing like reading skills with a new passage. Because Mm -hmm. obviously, yes, the best way to assess your reading comprehension skills, your analysis skills is to give you a fresh passage and see what you can do with it. But students struggle with those. And it is nice 
to balance that out with a test on something they can prepare for, Mm -hmm. they can feel like they are successful at. I know sometimes we, a long time ago, had a curriculum that had a test generator Mm -hmm. in it, and they would provide those new passages. And because of practical things like (laughs) copyright, the passages that you got were often really obscure. (laughs) And especially if the passage is not in any way reflective of your student's life circumstances or situations, then they don't even have a chance to demonstrate whether they understand a skill because they don't understand the content that is being used to test (laughs) the skill. So that's something that you definitely want to keep in mind. And I think we have a tendency to not always consider, especially when we're using assessments that are kind of pre-vetted for us. Yeah. Well, they're pre-vetted for us as in all teachers of <laughs> 10th grade ELA across the country and Canada and <laughs> other English-speaking countries. And so it's not necessarily going to be reflective of what our students mm-hmm. are familiar with. And if you're in-class assessment is to determine what a student has learned and understood in terms of what you've done in your instruction and in the work that you've provided for them to complete, then it's not necessarily the same as like an SAT where everybody's Mm -hmm. getting compared to one another. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that I don't know, maybe this doesn't bother some people, but it was a really big thing for us is we took pride in making it hard to cheat in our classes. I had a student tell me one time, oh, in so-and-so's class, we cheat all the time, but it's hard to do that in here. (laughs) Excellent. Mission accomplished. And I think we would all agree that's getting harder and harder to manage and avoid as, again, technology changes Mm -hmm. and becomes more ever-present in our classrooms. Mm -hmm. Back to the old school way, having different versions for students sitting next to each other is helpful in terms of just limiting what they're able to see from one another. For shorter quizzes and essays, we would often with our AP classes, we would have three sections of AP. They talk to each other between periods. And so we got in the habit of we would give period two would get version A and then period four would get version B and so on, limiting that ability to crosstalk in the hallway. You also, with those easier tests, lots of times you're like, this is a gift that I'm giving to you. And you are making me regret my (laughs) choice of gift because those are often the things that students cheat on the most. Yeah. And often they do it in the most brazen of manners as well. So I know that lots of times we look at a test day as, whoo, phew, I can get some work done. (laughs) But those tend to be the days that you really do need to be paying attention. And you want to make it clear to your students that you are paying attention Mm -hmm. to that kind of thing and that you do not want somebody's head down and they're looking in their lap. There's nothing in your lap that is being (laughs) tested on this exam. Or somebody's looking at their Apple Watch a little too closely. Uh Or their arm is just positioned very strangely and not moving. And (laughs) yeah, you do want to be mindful of those again, because 
if our grades are demonstrating a student's proficiency, then we want that to be accurate. And going off of that, also, you can't often in schools, it's easier to prove plagiarism. Hard still, shockingly. (laughs) Easier to prove plagiarism on written work. But when it's a multiple choice test, like if you haven't seen it take place, Mm -hmm. you can't go back later and say, hey, these two kids who sit next to each other got the same answers Mm because that's you're never going to win that he said, she said, they said argument. (laughs) I only was able to do it once. And it took me, I think I had six tests. Wow. Before I could like fully prove wow the case to the <laughs> satisfaction of the administration. Oh, like that they did it on six tests? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of tests. Yeah. I know that people really like using Google Forms for tests. Mm-hmm. I know that Socrative is another popular one. We've always been really wary of using these online testing methods unless you have GoGuardian installed at school or you're going through an LMS that has a lockdown kind of browser. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We were always really careful about that because it was important to us that they didn't cheat. We had to also think about it when we were doing distance learning in terms of they're probably going to cheat on this matching test. But our purpose was for them to look at the packet. So I guess if they look at the packet while they take the test, they're still accomplishing something productive. And then we just made it worth less points than we normally would. But I don't know. I just, it seems like a lot of teachers are just willing to jump right in and use these online Mm -hmm. programs. And I think students are very brazen in talking to other teachers (laughs) about how they do cheat on those tests. And I think that if that's something that you you really do care about, it's something that you want to be aware of. Yeah. And it might be something that you as a teacher, if you determine your own grading categories or as a PLC or as a department, Look at how closely do we want to monitor this? Mm. How valuable do we think what we're assessing is in terms of our curriculum? And then weight your assessment category Mm -hmm. accordingly. We, for a long time, had assessments just below writing. Mm. And then we realized, especially during the pandemic, we realized the things that we are giving assessments on that go into this category, they probably don't merit being worth 30% of a student's grade. So let's knock that down a little Mm -hmm. bit. And yes, we're always going to be mindful of cheating because as Stephanie said, it's just who we are. But then when things do happen or you have that circumstance where you're like, I am almost positive you're cheating and I can't prove it, when it's worth less of their overall grade, it's less of a hard pill to swallow. Yes. (laughs) And I would say, obviously, part of the workaround for this is to do more short answer and essay tests when you can, because they are harder to cheat on. But I learned this lesson the hard way, because as Kate said, in-class essay days were my day where I'm like, okay, I really don't have to monitor today. Mm -hmm. Who's going to cheat on an essay? I can sit at my desk. And I had a student copy an essay word for word from a sample paper online. And so I think that's another one where it's, yeah, they're harder to cheat on, but that doesn't mean they can't and won't. (laughs) If you get your tests from the internet, assume (laughs) that students can find it. But I would say even more than that, 
is assume that another teacher mm. has put it online or another teacher has made a Quizlet about it. Mm. So even though I know that there are lots of creators who say, please don't put this on the internet, yeah. <laughs> and it gets put on the internet, just Google a sort of unique phrase on your exam and see what you find out there. You might be surprised about how easy it is to find your exam. Yeah, I remember the first time that happened to us. It's funny because I remember being really like surprised and upset about it. In retrospect, like, why was I surprised? It's so <laughs> obvious that would have happened. It was earlier in the internet age, early when this now common text was being assigned. And so yeah. there really was like one resource online all yeah. the teachers were using. And what do you know? The kids found it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, we got angry. And yeah. I suppose we were right to be angry, but it was like, we went to the same source that yeah. you went to. So <laughs> I guess we both are in the wrong here. And on that note, be protective of your tests. I think especially tests that you write, you want to be thoughtful about keeping it locked up in a drawer from students, making sure students don't have access to your computer, being mindful of who you're sharing with. I know we had a colleague one time who gave our test out as a study guide and we were like, cool, now we have to make a new one. Yeah. And so just, I remember there was a big scandal at our school in another subject area when kids got a hold of a test. And so I think it really is unfortunately, something that if it does matter to you, does require a little bit of proactive legwork. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's also important as you're creating your tests to really think about making them fair for students. And I think one was in Kate's first year mistakes in our very yes. first episode. <laughs> I'll let you explain it. Try to avoid giving oral tests. When I was a new teacher, Oftentimes, the reason I gave an oral test was for time's sake in terms of like actually writing out the test, probably knowing what was going to be on the <laughs> test. So these were like a reading check quiz, shorter tests, like five questions or less, not longer tests. But regardless, I would not suggest that you give those for a multitude of reasons. One is that not everybody is hearing what you are saying. Not everybody has that ability to process mm -hmm. auditorily the meaning in the same way they would if it was written down. Also, I think sometimes students are reluctant to ask you to repeat mm -hmm. a question or to ask for extra time to answer the question. So I would say avoid giving oral tests. I understand why we yeah. give them. And certainly if you're in a foreign language or something like that, or we had to do dictation and music and it was awful. But <laughs> just steer clear of that kind of test set up. Students are probably not going to talk to you about whether it's fair or not, but in retrospect, it's definitely yeah. something that I was like, oh, that's a little cringe on my part. <laughs> Another one I would say is to check your test 
especially if you got it from elsewhere or you've been reusing it for a significant number of years. One, I think you want to make sure that you've actually covered all the content on it. Sometimes anyone who creates a test has their own perspective, their own emphasis. And so sometimes you're like, oh, this test looks great. And you realize there's a question on there that you guys never touched on or talked Mm -hmm. about. But also, I think I got caught in this. It's always embarrassing. Now when I go back and I'm trying to clean up a test or or fix it or find it or whatever, and I realize I've just been giving that test for 10 years because why would I change it? And right. it's riddled with errors or, yeah. oh, we changed the way we teach this book. Right. So yeah, when we first made this, this was a reasonable question. It's no longer appropriate. And yeah. so I think it's helpful to remember, oh yeah, even though I made it and I know it's a good test, do I still teach it the same way? Another thing that you should do, you should always take your test yourself. If you're in a PLC, this is very easy to do because you just give it to somebody in the PLC. The reason why you want to do this is because lots of times we have in our mind sort of line of thinking we go through with the question and the correct answer that isn't always apparent to other people. Also, sometimes with our detractors, we're trying to come up with detractors that aren't completely ridiculous, but in the process of doing (laughs) that, well, this is the right answer too. So, If you can give it to somebody else in your PLC, that's the best way because that's going to be the closest to what a student experience would be. If it's you on your own, set it aside for a couple days, come back to it when I literally just finished writing this question, (laughs) I'm barely reading it, but you have a couple days distance to see how you do on your own test because it's very easy to have two correct answers or a question where to you it seems obvious where you're going with the question, but to somebody else, it's, I'm not quite sure what you're asking (laughs) in this question. I think it's also helpful on small things like vocab or something Mm -hmm. where you're like, I don't need to take this. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But I had multiple occasions where I was taking a test and I'm like, why did I group these together? They have the same meaning or you're just, you're making your answer key and it's, there's a typo. This is not even on there and Mm -hmm. no student mentioned it. I would do it when we were doing like practice AP tests, practice SATs in part just so that when we then went over it, I could say, oh yeah, that was a really tricky question. I almost fell for the same thing. Let Mm -hmm. me explain to you what's wrong. And so I think taking the test, even when you created it, can be really helpful. Yeah. For short answer quizzes and essays, you want to create your key or your rubric before you give the test. Because again, we learned this the hard way. When when you don't do this, either students are doing terrible on your test because they're not giving you what you wanted, or it gets really hard to grade because you're like, wait, how am I going to break this down into five points Mm -hmm. or whatever it is? And so we got in the habit of creating that key or rubric as we went along and oh, shoot, as we're now writing what we want, that's not what the question asked for. And so we're able to better cross-check ourselves that way. Yeah, I would say if you're going to have a question that's worth multiple points, Mm -hmm. make sure that there is a clear expectation for what a student would need to provide in order to earn each point. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you run into a situation where you're like, I don't know, three, I don't know. Oh, yep. 
So, this is why we started doing this. <laughs> so if it's worth more than one point, you want to make sure or you're one of those people who everything's worth one point yeah. and then you use fractions. If if you're expecting multiple elements to a response, make sure you have that called out to yourself mm-hmm. beforehand so that you're grading fairly each yeah. time. But then also you can look at it and see, okay, would a student produce these five elements based on the question as I have worded it? Super important, definitely something that we had to learn from after an embarrassingly long <laughs> that actually, yeah, time. Yeah, now that we talk about this really embarrassing. <laughs> How many years we were like, I don't know, two, four, (laughs) half a point. Who cares? And I think that if you're teaching the same class for decades or something, there comes a point where you don't need to analyze your results. You know how you're tested. But especially the first few times you use a test, you do want to look closely at the results to see, oh, do I need to reteach something? Or, okay, everyone's getting this question wrong. Did I write this question in a way that is not clear? And again, the longer you teach the class, the more you can anticipate that. But I think it is helpful the first few times to just, again, use that as a cross-check on yourself. Sometimes I would even do that for entering answer keys online, I'd take a student who could have gotten a perfect score and I would just check, okay, the ones they missed, did I do them right? Yeah, okay. And so I think that can be a helpful thing for yourself. Yeah. Also, if you have a question that like 80% of your students miss, double check to make sure the answer is correct (laughs) because sometimes things happen. So when you have these sort of anomalies, definitely take a look at those. And then when it comes to tests and assessments, especially in English where your assessments may be written, when we're thinking about scheduling, be kind to yourself. Don't assign essay tests during finals if you can avoid it, because that's a real fun, unpleasant turnaround, especially Mm -hmm. winter break. You want to do Christmas stuff and you're grading essays. Or if you must, (laughs) this took us a long time to stop doing this. We used to give a practice AP test, which, well, on the AP test, you have to write three essays. So we'll make them write two to three essays during finals, which then we had to grade. And if you've listened to some of our other podcasts, we weren't always on top of grades. So then it's just (laughs) adding more problems. So be kind to yourself or when you do need to give an essay test toward the end of a semester or something like that, just be aware in the planning process of your turnaround time and how you're going to handle that in a way that you can actually accomplish it. (laughs) Yeah. You might also want to be aware of, in general, what's going on with your students. Say you have a class, and this was often true in our senior level Mm -hmm. AP class, where in general, those students have several classes together. Mm -hmm. If you know that every Friday they have a calculus test, Think about whether or not you also want to have your test Mm -hmm. on Friday. Now, sometimes it may need to be on a Friday, but if you're just, oh, I don't want to teach on Friday, I want (laughs) to get my test on Friday, know that lots of people are also doing that. So keep that in mind just in terms of how you want your students to prepare for the test. Will they have the time to do it and just test burnout or them? And I'm the scheduler in our pair. And I would sometimes just be in my head, like thinking about the puzzle pieces. Mm -hmm. And Kate would have to be like, they're going to turn in seven assignments on one day and take a test. And it's, (laughs) oh, yeah, that's not going to work. And so it's just, again, something that unintentionally we can end up 
being a lot more unkind than <laughs> normally yes. would be. We also tried to avoid testing on Mondays, especially for non-honors classes or Tuesday after a long weekend. <laughs> we started to find, and again, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Yes. But honors students, for the most part, if you tell them you have a test on Monday, they'll study for the test on Monday. Mm -hmm. But a lot of our standard level students like it was like they'd never heard of the unit. They'd never okay. heard of school. There was not a lot of memory retention over a weekend that they had a test on Monday. And so we tried to avoid that whenever possible just to help boost yeah. our results. Exactly. <laughs> we would like those results to be good as much as students want the results <laughs> to be good. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope something we said resonated with you, that you have something you can put to work in your classroom or something that you can consider or reconsider. If you have a dilemma you'd like to talk to us about or you'd like to hear us talk about, email us at hello at threeheads.works. If you haven't heard enough yet on the topic of assessments, check out our related YouTube video and blog post linked in the show notes. If you want to be notified of our next upload, be sure to follow us. Chat soon. Bye. Bye.